Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for March 31st of 2017. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer at HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Walsh from HockeyHeads.com. This week, we will first try to keep it under two hours. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry about that. I guess neither of us realized last time. So we'll have a normal length podcast today. We are also going to talk about the NHL's pending concussion lawsuit and some of the documents that were released this week. Pretty damning to the league, as as are all of the documents that seem to be released about this topic. Talk about USA Hockey and their treatment of the U.S. women's national team and that whole process, how it played out. And the NHL decided to release the Las Vegas protection list, which that that should have been an obvious move from the, the get-go, but, you know, NHL. So <laughs> we will start with the concussion lawsuit, and man, they're going to lose a lot of money this league, huh? I, I sit there and I look at it, and it's sort of a double-edged sword for me because I want them to get taken to the cleaners. I want them to get absolutely destroyed in this lawsuit. I want them to pay the price for the negligence, the the deliberate um, turning a blind eye to what was going on. Yet I sit there and go, well, if that's the case, will some of these teams fold? Because the amount of money they're going to have to fork out for this is not going to be minuscule. No, and I would further argue that they're not going to be able to reach a settlement like the NFL did. The NFL got a sweetheart deal, all things considered, yep. with, with the, the evidence that had they had against them. The NHLPA is, or who is that's who's representing the former players, or no? I think so. They're going to look at all these release documents, which I don't think the NFL dealt with that kind of stuff on the scope that the NHL is. There's just no reason for the players to back down or the former players that are involved in the lawsuit. There's just evidence left and right. So the NHL is going to have to pay. The the last thing I read was the Chicago Blackhawks doctor's comments on the Martin Havlat concussion in that they just threw him back out on the ice and he's like, I can't believe they did it. And, and that Marty Havlat's not that long out of the league, so it's not like it's it's not like we're talking the early two thousands or or in the nineteen nineties and stuff like that. Like this is now current when you know, as you said yourself, you've changed your thought process in regards to how hockey should be conducted because of the way you were as a player when you were younger to knowing the stuff you know about concussions now. And this is a professional league who should know better. And you're you're getting legitimate medical advice from people that do know the damages of this, saying, "Hey, this guy can't go back in," and they're like, "Well, it's, it's the playoffs. He's he's going back in." And now it's yeah. documented. Now it's official. It's been released. The NHL fought against all this stuff being out there. Um, they lost that much, like they're going to lose this lawsuit. I I don't I. You know how you said it was a sweetheart deal for the NFL? I really hope 
the players don't go, wow, this is great for us, and then bail out on pushing it to the full extent. For me, I'm hoping the players treat it as much as, yes, they need to get compensated, but we need to lay a framework for protection for players that come after us. Yeah, and this might be what the owners finally sour on Gary Bettman about. Well, it, it, this feels poorly handled. I also remember... And, he, and he's reading, an attorney. Like, that's Gary's thing. Yeah. But it's one of those things where reading some of the documents, you see some of the statements that are made like... Um, what was it? It was the whole, what do we say about concussions going into this year? It's the status quo. And it's like, dude, it's 2015. You can't just run with the status quo. You've got to move at least a little bit with what's going on. Even if you, you feel like it's not right, you've still got to shift a little. You've still got to show that you're at least looking into it. Not None of this head-in-the-sand garbage. They have official documentation from medical staff that has showing coaches and managers ignoring a doctor. And the NHL has always argued that that was not the case. That, that's probably the most damning part about the the whole toing and froing of all of this when Batman's come out and spoken about it, it's no, 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 we've followed the process, we've followed what the doctors have said, and then these documents come out, and it's like, <laughs> no, you did not. That's going to be a major part of not being able to overcome through just casual lying or clever yeah, lying or what, however yeah. they've been going about it. Um, my favorite part of all of it, and you know, quote-unquote favorite, I think the guy's a scumbag, is Steve Walkham, the director of NHL officiating, talking about fighting. And um, what a dinosaur piece of shit he is. I would actually say what Walkham said. What did he say? Oh, this will be good for you then. <laughs> you love it. Much to the dismay of the tree-hugging, never-played-sport leftist doctors that soon won't let us climb stairs for fear of concussion, he responded. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Oh, fuck him. So he, the Department of Player Safety is, that does the suspensions, is, is one part of that. The guy that runs the officiating is another um, important part of that umbrella of player safety. Yep. And this is just such a clear, uh, very damning statement that, the officials portion of this um, organization has no interest at all about their safety. Nope. And that's, that's one of those things where I get angry at officials and then you sit there and go, well, hang on a second. They're following a directive from their boss that if they stray away from what they think the game should be called like, then they don't get games. They miss out on the playoffs. So it comes from the, the head down. And if, if Walcom is going to take that attitude, then it literally is an eye for an eye. He still lives in that era. And it's no surprise that you see things get missed because, you know, somebody whacks somebody, so somebody get a chance to whack back. But if you're the third person that does it, then you get pinged. It's not ping the first, it's ping the third. So there's two if cracks. You're lucky. If you're lucky. It's, yeah, it's two cracks for somebody to get injured really when you think about it rather than just call the first and and have someone down 
for two minutes. It's no, you get a crack each, and then after that, then you're in trouble. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I. Here's the other thing. You know, he's obviously alluding to liberalism as being the problem with this issue, and. <laughs> Science. Why they... So, ex exactly what I was about to say. Science doesn't give a fuck about politics. No, it doesn't. So, it's just what a ignorant idiot in an important position in a league that has a lot of that. From, yeah, <laughs> all of it. Is there anybody that's in the any? Spot and up top in the NHL that has very good background or success or knows what the fuck they're doing. You, the the furthest I'd go is there are some general managers that are in that situation, but you go above that to like you go to the people running it above the owners, and I would suggest no. Yeah, it'd be hard to find so. Um, you got doctors being ignored. You got the head of officiating making fun of the science that is trying to help people because you, you got this macho complex that I don't know what you're trying to prove with it. How would you be in this league if, if, okay, I'll rephrase the way I was going to say that I would hate to be the first player that's actually playing in a league that comes out gay. If you look at the if you look at the the backwards thinking of those at the top, there's no way in hell you could be an out player in the NHL at the moment. Absolutely no way in hell. Um I think it could be done. I don't not yet. You can, Burke's son, who was in the Department of Player Safety, and you know, I don't think highly of anything that department's done, also started the You Can Play, and I think that's done a really good job. Well, I think it's done a great job of bringing up the awareness, but you look at the way this league doesn't want to move outside of the 1980s, which I find absolutely hilarious because the rules are set up against what the 1980s were that was like freewheeling but in regards to the way they it was freewheeling in the sense that depth players were complete dog shit yeah and i suppose the superstars but all, all i know is that the 80s and the early 90s before the first lockout the game had a, a freewheeling fun aspect to it now and i don't know whether it's because the just the sheer professionalism of the sport has stepped up or whether it is literally just the fact that star players aren't allowed to be star players in this league. It really has, you know, sort of hit a wall. And See, the NHL thought it was a gimmick coming out of the lockout to, to get scoring up to get fans back. They just thought it was a short-term ploy to... They didn't no. actually believe in it. They just thought it was... Um... A short term, ah, whatever, we'll, we'll give them something for a year. They'll, they'll all crawl back. And while not wrong, uh, that stupidity, they this league could be bigger than it is right now if they would have just stayed that path. But you have people like Wacom 
head of officiating. Like, he doesn't want to call penalties. Nope. He just wants it. You got to fight through it. So you have that. You have people like Brendan Shanahan, who I thought was on the path to doing good things for the suspension stuff. They got rid of him because people complained he was too tough, even though he wasn't. He was he was right. The thing that's that's sort of frustrating is that, and I don't blame I don't blame the owners for this, but each owner worries about their own little piece of turf, right? So anything that might benefit the league but disadvantage them, they always say no to. So trying to get a consensus, or at least sixteen out of 30 teams, or soon to be 16 out of 31, to try and get a majority is, is really, really hard. Yeah. Well, the other problem is letting general managers control the direction of your league. Yeah, that one baffles me. I have absolutely no idea how you can do that. There's there shouldn't, there shouldn't be a general managers meeting every year where they decide what the rules are going to be. I don't give a fuck what their opinion on the rules are, to be quite honest right. with you. And it should be done outside of them. Their job should strictly be to manage their rosters. You could make it an argument there are quite a few general managers that aren't even competent at their actual job, so why do they have a right to work out how it actually should be designed on the ice? Yeah, I mean, I... think about what, all the just useless possibly, solutions they come up with. What could Joe Sackett possibly give any benefit to those general manager meetings as a general manager? Absolutely nothing. Well, I'm not in meetings to know which ones. I just know as a collective group, he's been highly unsuccessful. It's just, it's just silly. They did nothing yeah. to address the offsides stuff. The stupid challenge for millimeter offsides. But they short. They shorten. Just... They think shortening the time between when you call for a review is what people want. Shortened. No, I don't think anybody out here cares about the millimeter skate tip that was offsides. It did not have anything to do with flow of play or anything like that. There wasn't a. It really wasn't an advantage gained. The offside stuff. It's Danny Briere five feet offsides in a playoff game breakaway. <laughs> like that's the problem that's not not all these stupid reviews take by the way taking goals off a board in a league that struggles enough as it is yeah <laughs> brilliant but it's it's the same league that rewards losing you know i mean pittsburgh have lost 11 times and got a point this year and the rangers have lost five times and got a point this year. Really, the Rangers and Penguins should be tied. I don't like this getting a point for a loss garbage. I'm fine with it all. if it's a 3-2-1. No, I I just want it win-loss. Fuck it. Get rid of overtime. No. Uh, sorry, get rid of ties. Just go W-loss. If you lose in, in 10 minutes of 3-on-3 OT, well, fuck you. You, just, you weren't supposed to win. No. I want there to be 
an onus on regulation so that the end of games aren't being played out in a mutual yeah so that's a fair call i want three two one it's the most obvious one it's a compromise for both sides of the equation and it's a logical meeting place the best teams will win in regulation they'll make their way up the standings you get to overtime and um you still get two, and the other person gets one. I'm all for Toronto making the playoffs this year, but they're riding 15 points on losses. They've technically got a losing record right now, and they're in the playoffs. 3-2-1? So they wouldn't they, be able to make that up. Yeah, no, no, I don't. I just, it, it, I just sit there with it and just shake my head at the fact. All right, so one thing I think we'll both agree on, whether it's what you just suggested, win or loss, or or the three two one system that I'm referencing, every game is worth the same amount of points. Yeah. Which is not the case right now, and that's, to me, embarrassing. Yep. I, I just, it blows my mind there's three-point games and then two-point games the same night. It's, I, <laughs> this league. It's, fals- it's falsified parody. That's the thing. The NHL likes to sit there and say, oh, it's so tight. All these teams could make it. But in reality, you can see the teams that should be in and the ones that shouldn't be in. And and to be perfectly honest, you look at Toronto and Tampa, and those overtime losses for Toronto are probably going to get them in, and maybe Tampa won't. I, I kind of want both in, but yeah, I get you. I know, I do. I just don't, the example I can see in front of me, it's, you just, it's the thing, you should never be rewarded for a loss coming from a guy that still wants to have the number one draft pick go to the 30th place team, but I just think in the context of 82 games, you shouldn't get rewarded for losing. But that's, that's the current system, and that's what it's going to do because it's, an artificial way to keep the teams close because yep. that's how you're driving interest. See that the league is promoting teams as we've discussed as their oh, focal point yeah. for fans, as opposed to individuals. If you start marketing individuals instead of teams, well, every night of the week, there'll be something for somebody. Yep. Feels very secular at the moment. Some of the conversations we have, doesn't it? It sort of loops around to the same area. It's like, can we hurry up and get a, a goddamn new commissioner who has a different direction for the sport? Yeah, Gary's. Uh, He's talking Gary's, Gary's a mixed mixed bag, more bad than good lately. The expansion stuff was all great in my opinion. It's really um, opened up interest in areas that probably would have never cared about hockey at all your first number one overall draft pick wouldn't have been playing hockey if not for southern expansion you look at usa hockey's um roster on any given world junior year now and you got players coming from states that that wouldn't happen 25 years ago no so it's looking... the salary cap uh, say what you want about the first Say what you want about lockouts in general. I thought the first one was very necessary to get a salary cap in place. I thought that was good, but a lot of the other stuff is the player safety, the concussions, 
the reluctance to open the game up has all been bad. They need somebody to be creative, whoever comes in next. And the challenge you've got is hockey is a very slow-moving sport. You have a look at the people that get to front the sport in the media. They all don't want things to change. They're all very reluctant. It, it's a it's a tough ship to move if you do become the next GM. NHL next fans commits. should be jealous of NBA fans. They don't want to hear it, but... Adam Silver is really good. Yep. Yep. He, he gets it. And the he NBA does a lot of good things. They don't have divisions anymore, I don't believe. I think their playoffs are just one through eight. They still have the – the divisions might affect how many times they play each other, but okay. it's definitely one to eight. No, no, but it is. It's one to eight in the playoffs. I'm looking at standings right now, and it's just showing the – Conference. I'll ask my boys at work because they're into hockey. They're into basketball. Okay, there are divisions, but it has no bearing on. Yeah, the one to eight. They don't even go one, two, three. Then the next five, do they? That I don't know. Anyways, at least like one through eight's the way to go, conference-wise. Uh, one to sixteen TV event. I'm telling you, man, you're onto something. So, yeah, the NBA continues to be more popular. Some of it socioeconomically related because every school has a gym. All you need is a basketball and a pair of sneakers. Hockey's more expensive. You need to freeze ice. All that. I, I get all that, but the NBA goes above and beyond to pass that advantage to maximize their interest in their sport. Hey, just look at their salary caps. They were basically the same when they both came out of lockouts and look where the NHL is and look where basketball is. They let their stars be stars. They make rules for, for it. Basketball lends itself a little bit better to because players can be on the court longer. But they still went above and beyond to make sure that when they're on the court they get to do the cool things that people want to see. This is the other thing with the NHL. It's like, okay, so you get Conor McDavid on the ice for 22, 24 minutes a night. It's a third of the game, but you're only getting small snippets. Yeah, how about you try and maximize his brilliance every time he's out there and allow him to do things? I mean, he almost forces the rules to bend for him anyway because he's so fast. Um but he's going to end up with the, the Crosby syndrome in that because he can fight through the hooks and the slashes, they're just not going to call him. And I just think that's ludicrous. Yeah, and it's not going to change. Anytime soon. Yeah, I don't think so. Morons. Sucks. Anywho. I referenced USA Hockey. Should we do a half-assed segue to the women's topic? We certainly should. <laughs> so USA Hockey's gross. Well, we I, I hate the, I hate the way that they function at the terrible. top levels. The way that they handle their national teams, the best of the best players. I, no, um, I hate it. The flip side of that is the development 
for youth and all that stuff, at least on the boys' side of it, because obviously a big chunk of this woman's boycott was because the girls' side of things, while improving, was, you know, still not improving at a, a rate acceptable enough, at least in my opinion. So Just out of curiosity, <laughs> when it comes to the women's sport, it's USA and Canada and nobody else, and it's a coin flip, basically, isn't it? Yeah, I think the last decade it's been a coin flip for the most yeah. part. Uh, so, the U.S. did not fare well at the 06 games. But as everything else has been really close. You obviously have overtime, last-minute gold medal games, and, and stuff like that. So... Technically, the women are tracking better than the men. Yeah. Right. But again, socioeconomic. They can't even they can't even get themselves into a situation where they can play and live and not have to have another job. They do have to have another job. Yeah, I just I find that absolutely baffling. Well, here's here's a big thing that. They should be the the NHL should be doing if they were smart because it's a business, it's an entertainment business, and it's not gender specific to get people to watch professional men's sports, right? So why Correct. wouldn't you subsidize the WNHL that doesn't exist, obviously, like the NBA does the WNBA to increase interest, and it's just a smart business move in my in. In because it's, vision, it's visionary right and it's looking outward rather than inward. Well, I'd have I'd hate to be a liberal tree hugger, and as opposed to Steve Walkham, you know, <laughs> it's no wonder why they don't do these things. Yeah, it, Steve Steve Walkham probably also doesn't dine with women that aren't his wife alone. I need. <laughs> Did Mark Pence say that? Something like that. I can't keep oh. track of all the. Oh, good grief. That's interesting. Okay. Because I just, my Twitter feed got full of it. How can we start a league if we can't have dinner with them? <laughs> 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 you know? Exactly right. But, the, just the, okay, so all that aside, USA Hockey thought they could strong arm the women who were clearly well-organized, united, and smart. They were reaching to the depths of, and and I don't say this to be um, derogatory, to Division Three players, which I was a Division Three player, so I guess I'm insulting myself. If, so if anybody's offended, I, I'm offending myself as well. But I also <laughs> don't think that I'm going to be playing at the World Championship for Team USA either. And then this they was, even went below that to 16, this was, 16U girls it and they all said fuck you they all said no that was the thing that was brilliant about this because they it's in their no. best interest too being a exactly. scab does not help no and that's the beautiful thing about it they realize that the best thing for them is to toe the line and, and say no it's great so i saw some people actually giving trying to give usa hockey credit <laughs> just what? like I know it was such a bad 
bad take. I forget who it was. I think it was the former head of USA Hockey. Well, no kidding, but. Give them credit for what? Like Dave Green. at the very end on something that they should have been able to negotiate months and months ago by being just decent human beings and allowing them to, to earn a wage off a sport that they're elite at. Craig Custance uh, tweeted, Dave O'Green, or O'Grian, I don't know how to pronounce it, sorry. And if USA Hockey's image is tarnished from negotiations, I sure hope not. I hope we get a lot of credit for resolving this. Fuck you. Well, I, I said so much. I said they get none. USA Hockey only did it because they had to. They, and I spoke about how organized the women were. Yeah, you get none. You get none. No. And I'm, I'm not going to forget how they handled this either. No, I just they, well, you said this before on the podcast. They do such a good job with the junior with the junior men coming through, and, and, and the women's stuff is getting better. Yeah, exactly. But to, you, you get to the top end, and they've got no fucking clue what they're doing. They don't know how to put a roster together. They don't know how to pay rosters. It's like that's the same the group of assholes we were talking about before. Yeah, I know, I know, but honestly, can't be that complicated, can it? So I'm just happy they reached the deal. I'm glad that the women don't miss a world championship because that is their Stanley Cup final every year until we get, um, uh, I don't want to go that far. The, 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 U.S. Women's League that just wrapped up had a very successful on-ice season. And it struggles, though, off. Financially, it does, yes. But, again, the NHL should be... Well, the NHL's not going to have money to do it when they pay over a billion dollars. (laughs) Because they're dinosaurs. I think it should be more than that. I'm just throwing a, a, a. I'm hoping that it's substantially like more than that. And I know that sounds wrong considering this is a sport that I love, but they deserve to get burnt for it. Well, I hope you're ready for 41 outdoor games a year for your favorite team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I know what you mean. Yes. So. Bring me back somehow. Good job. U.S. women. I was impressed. Now, back to the morons in the front office of the NHL. Three weeks ago, they were going to hide the protection list because guess what? The GMs who run the league didn't want to look foolish because they don't want to be called out for the jobs that they do. You know what I don't understand about that attitude is that it's like, even if the fans do call them out, they're not going to lose their jobs over the fans. No. No. But this whole Las Vegas situation is unique, and it's a chance for the league to do good things with it to, you know, act like an entertainment product for once. Yeah, But at the very least, even though the path there was stupid, it, it seems as though they'll at least be releasing it ahead of time, which is good. 
Yeah. And I don't want to hear about, oh, what is the, the players, what are they going to... And it's like, players get traded every year. They get released. Yep. They get not signed. Teams, like, they're professionals. They can handle the protection list. They, yes, I, I understand that an individual yep. might not be happy that they were left off of it or something like that. But how does a player going into this unique situation not understand that like that's the reality that yeah hey those that are those that are on the fence of either side of being protected or not they know who they are they know they might be they know they might not be and, and it's just the reality of reality of being a player and if you don't get protected and you don't get drafted it's not like the team didn't want you they just thought there were other players more valuable on the roster yeah, it's not like the GM saying, yeah, I want to get rid of you. It's shit. Well, these rules are the rules, and, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. It's not I'm like they're actively shopping the player. I mean, it's one of those things where you can only protect so many, but the, the Golden Knights can only take one player from the team anyway. So... You can raffle it a little bit in regards to who you do protect and who you don't protect. But I am glad that the the information is going to be out there. Be great fun for fans. Fantasy sports is a huge thing, and what better than like a fantasy draft to pay attention to? A wonderful real life fantasy draft. It's like yes. So I don't have much more to add on that. Thankfully, they're doing the right thing, even though it wasn't as obvious to them at the beginning of the process. No, and you do wonder what it was that tipped them off to do the right thing. There's quite a quite a backlash on that. No, no, there was. Like this, that's the thing. It's like there's this massive backlash. It's like, oh, maybe we should do it. It's like, well, there's a massive backlash about not putting you know, contract details up on the website, but they haven't bowed to that. That's a great point, but that's another, why would anybody be interested in stuff like that? Yeah. Because we are. Because we are. Well, you have to be. There's a fucking salary cap in the league. If you want to know why somebody can't trade for somebody, it's because of all of that contract stuff for trying to fit somebody under 73 mil. They put their own constraints in and then don't make it easy for fans to try and follow it. It's like, okay, all these other sites will will pop up so that it's possible. But it's like you can control the flow of information if you put it out there. And they just don't. I'm at the point where they just need to put the information out there. I'm almost better with cap-friendly being the, the what exists or general manager, cap geek before it. Because if the NHL's website with SAP is any indication of how the accuracy of... Yeah, okay. You make a very good point there. (laughs) Do I really want the league to be running that non-user-friendly site? No. They just need to give the information, though. And they don't. These press releases, oh, so-and-so signed for five years. Okay, for how much? Well, we're not going to release that. Okay, so we're gonna what? Wait three hours, or wait for Pierre LeBrun to tweet it? What 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 are we doing here? 
Yeah. It is so stupid. So, I don't know. That's about all I have to say on that. Where shall we launch off to now? Do we want to do Questiones or Penguinones? A little bit of kind of one and the same. Both? <laughs> Austin Barnes at Austin underscore Barnes zero zero. So he's a double O. And what UFAs will the pens keep? And the AAV for Shiri. I've been a little bit more friendly to Shiri on this. I think you know, closer to four million than three million would be my guess of what would be acceptable for both parties. Some people think what he's doing is a fluke. I don't think leading the NHL in five v five points per sixty, even with Sid, is a fluke. <laughs> Sid's had many line mates over the course of the years, as I've pointed out, and none of them have done that. I suppose the thing for me is the team's going to try and lowball him, right? And then he's obviously going to try and get as much as he can somewhere in the middle, as long as it. If he gets four. I'm just saying, I'm the... comfortable at four. Yeah, so no, my, my question more is okay. But he's so in RFA, four, so it probably won't get to that. Who's, whose money is he stealing that they're going to lose that's important to the roster? That's, for me, that's all that matters. Daily in, in that and sense. Scuderi's combination? There you go. So, so that covers it off. I mean, you know, I, I think Benino is going to walk. Kunitz could as well. Like, could be a very Kunitz, different. Process. Kunitz, yes, in the sense that if he does come back, it's it's not at three point eight. No, you're always <laughs> flipping. You you could all not that you only pay Kunitz bloody. I don't think you can play Kunitz uh, six hundred and sixty-seven thousand. I don't think you can. I think the minimum's a mil for someone his age. Like a mil and a half, and I'd be okay. Yeah in a reduced role for him. Yeah, so you're always flipping Sherry for Kunitz in regards to, to value, and I'm okay with that. It, it's just, is there anybody else that they're going to end up I don't think by? it will be that high, though, because he's an RFA and he doesn't have leverage. Yeah, that wonderful... We're going to have another lockout. Um, yeah, I think you're on the money with Sherry. I, I think what they, they do need to sort of work out as, as well is... Um, is Justin Schultz in the same boat as Connor Sheary in that sense, in that he's going to get a hefty raise? Will he try to take as much as he can, or will he go, I'm happy where I am and have a little less? Again, I'd be okay at four. He's a RFA as well. So... He is, that, and that's a bonus. Because, you know, Dumoulin's got to go through this as well. You know, here's the thing with Dumoulin, and I do value the things that don't necessarily show up in the boxcar classic stats. Yeah. Like, he's very good at defending zone entries. He he helps facilitate controlled breakouts. Those are things I value, and he does. But money-wise, I think you need to give me more offense if you're going to go in that 4 to $5 million range. Well, we complain about the fact that Olimata has no offensive output. Lately, he used to. Yeah, but at the moment, <laughs> and that makes the you know the, the four point one mil. But his his spot. skating and his possessions, not there either. 
No, but if Dumoulin loses his ability to suppress shots, he's got nothing to back up for it. Like It's not like he's producing offense. So pushing up into that formal rate, that's a lot of money for somebody that you want to have chew up 20 minutes a night who can't. So, you know, maybe Marta screws Dumoulin over. For... Well, I think Marta will be gone. Yeah. Huh? I think they'll trade him. I think that that contract might make them a little gun shy for giving Dumoulin a $4 million contract. I'd rather give it to Dumoulin than Mata at this point. Because it does, it, it shows you, he's been injury riddled the last two years, don't get me wrong, but it does show you how far his star has fallen from when he came on getting to ride the coattails of Matty Niskanen. So, <clears throat> as far as back to his question of UFAs, Trevor Daly, um, thank you for the cup run, but we'll, we'll be moving on here. Mark Streit, probably, uh, thanks for whatever this sample turns out to be, moving on. Ron Hainsey, <laughs> uh... Probably same age. Like to find somebody else to fill that. Yeah, I don't want Hainsey. Yeah, I don't want him being the guy that fills that hole. I want somebody else. But there's work to be done. They they don't have. They clearly like Pouliot's a non-starter. He's never going to be a thing in Pittsburgh, and we've kind of highlighted that, <laughs> beating that into the ground. I don't. I know uh, the Frank Corrado, Toronto crowd. There's a faction. It's similar to the Pouliot stuff. Let them play. <clears throat> but I don't see that materializing much. So maybe you do have to keep like a Ron Hainsey around, just as a bottom pairing guy. The the only argument I would have against that is, if you have Latang, use Martin there just. For the fact that he's there. If you have Latang, Marta, Cole, and Schultz with Dumoulin in the lineup, I don't see why you would fork out money for guys like Hainsey and, and Hainsey makes, makes 1.4 right now. He's not going to get yeah, a raise. No, no, I realize that, but it's more a matter of you know Hainsey's ceiling, right? You know he's not going to be any better than what he is. Like He's just going to be what he is. Why not fork some money out? And when I say some money, I mean like a mill for uh, a couple of guys that uh, so so average. I mean, what are they giving? They're giving Gordon Ruedel half a mill, right? When I say pay Hainsey or have him, I I guess that should be counted towards that just kind of player depth, cheap, yeah, underlying that's, numbers. That's... Okay, it doesn't have to be him. But like, no, no. But for me, I'd rather have somebody of, of the age of like 22 to 27 who well, has the potential I mean, to... Who doesn't? Well, it's one of those things where, like you said, they've destroyed a, an asset. <clears throat> There's no reason why they can't go out and, and just grab somebody else's junk pile because that's where Gaunt and Ruedel came from. And to be honest, they've been fine as fillers. It's just that they've been filling for too long now.
Not much on that UFA list, I'm going to be honest. Yeah. For defensemen. No, there's, there's not a lot floating around. Not great. <laughs> no, it's it's not great, but Pittsburgh do have enough assets internally that they can get by on a on a back six that they've they've got floating around. So they should be okay. This team is driven by possession, which is driven by their forwards. That's the <laughs> funny you say that. The article I have not published yet today. It's gonna tackle that a little bit. On how the defense core is kind of blah, even with Latang in it. And the forwards were great last year, but there are some signs this year that the the gap between the top six and bottom six is starting to widen again. Like it was the not as bad as the end of the Biosma tenure, but it's getting a little bit but wider than it was when HBK you, was a a good you get there and you say that and you can see that on the ice though you, you can this team is like a two-speed team at the moment because they've got no depth because everybody's injured um, i do wonder whether the they'll get when they get their players back and if they get their players back whether that two-speed team changes and they all become one speed again because you can see when the fourth line rolls out there because it's basically just AHL Central, they're struggling to keep their, their head above water, um, you know, for multiple shifts. They might have a good one every now and then, but most of the time they're, they're getting killed. And, you know, like you said, Nick Benino's not being HBK Benino for possession, um, and that makes that gap between the top two lines and the bottom two lines a little bit larger. So... I'll be interested to see whether they get it. But the beautiful thing about last year was they went into the playoffs playing well and flying. This is a mangled team at the moment who will just be wanting to get there with some form of health, and they don't have it. No, not right now. So um, <clears throat> We can transition into the next question from Jordan Faulkner Jor- at Jordan. 16 Faulkner. Is Kucherov a finalist for the heart this year? Um, and thoughts on Oscar Sundquist? Well, Kucherov's finishing this year awesome. He's second in goals, I think, to Sid. So his recency bias is favoring him right now? Correct. Uh, heart trophy? Uh, I say no. No disrespect to him. I think you have Connor and Sid, and then I think you have to really take a serious look at uh, Bobrovsky before Kucherov. The only thing for me with, with Kucherov would be they may not make the playoffs. I don't care about that. That's not his fault. No, I know that's not his fault, but that sounds dumb. No, he's... Okay, I guess is Kucherov a finalist? Based on how things are, no. Yeah. I yeah. based on what I'm looking at, also no. <laughs> <laughs> no they happen, they just happen to align this time. No, I get. The, I, I, get I do not hold the playoff stuff against the the player. 
that's a that's a GM problem or an injury problem, not a hey I'm great on a bad team. That why is that? I don't. I hate the MVP voting. I hate it. Would you most yeah. valuable to the team? That's a GM thing. That's not a player thing. Just make it no. who's. Did we discuss that last week? Probably. Oh, yeah, most likely in the four-hour extravaganza <laughs> that we, we put on. Um, it, it's really funny. We heard all about the fact that, you know, it, Brent Burns, Brent Burns in the Hart Trophy, but... He's trailed off a little. He, he had, That said, it's still 73 points in 77 games, but I do wonder if the uh, now-injured Eric Carlson from blocking a shot doesn't steal the award from him because of it. Because, like, Burns has jumped out of the, the Hart Trophy conversation. Yes, yes. But, uh, I don't know. I, I Edmonds think had a great year. Oh, for Sorry? the No, you're, you're right. I think Connor has pulled ahead points-wise from Sid lately. And, um... I don't think Sid will overcome that, even though his rate stats are better than McDavid. But that concussion to start the year cost him the Art Ross. It'll be interesting. It's it's really funny, you know. You look at the points per game of the players, and McDavid's 1.18, Sid's 1.17, and Rob is 1.18. Yeah, but I I don't like doing the per game anymore now that we have per sixty. I, I want I want them to be judged based on when they are on the ice, not based on how often the coach used them in a given game. Yeah, no, I, the the per sixty is is much better, but you know what these things get rated on. I know, it's, and that's that's the problem. Like until you know. I'll be 60 before you start seeing rate stats on TV. This is why this player is good, or this is why these things are being voted on in this way. You know, the the Dowdy Carlson thing last year is a prime example of that. Uh, final question. Well, not final. The Fenwick for, at the Fenwick Frank Kucherov best wing in the league. I say no. Oh, Kucherov Lava Tire. I know two two Kucherov questions. I don't think he's the best winger in the game. I think I would look towards someone like Tarasenko first. You know I'm, I'm going to hate saying this because I hate the player, but. How do we sort of walk past Brad Marchant? I think that, and I can one-up you on the hate factor. Are you going to go PK? Yeah, I I think (laughs) um, on ice, Patrick Kane is really good. And he's the reason why the league doesn't push their superstars. Yeah, but you can push your superstars and if they do something stupid you're allowed to change course I, I agree 
Or you could be the NFL and continue to promote Ray Lewis. (laughs) Yeah, not give it toss. So I think he's in the conversation, Kucherov, for sure. I just think he he probably might take that mantle in the next few years. He has potential to do so. I think currently, though, I don't quite give him that. No, I I have a feeling that you've got Kane, March, and and, um, Tarasenko sort of sit in front of him and... Kucherov comes out and has a bumper year and, and, you know, ends up being ahead of all of them on the on the points total and isn't a complete tire fire in his own end, then you make a really good case for him to be better than all of those. Um, okay, last one, so we can keep this timely. <laughs> it comes from our friend Wolfram Ott. What eight wingers... Should the Pens plan on for next season? Current players and or prospects, Sprong and Zach Aston Reese. Uh, the expansion draft kind of makes this a uh, clever discussion. So I don't know how to navigate that part of it because I don't know what the hell is going to happen with that. And as I said last week, I haven't even began to pretend what I'm going to do protection-wise for the Penguins until, like, the season wraps up a little bit. But I have um, just my general list that I've just... I've I've looked at their current roster right now. And Phil, obviously there. I got Hornquist, Haglin, Gensel, Shiri, Rust. And I put Aston Reese there because I think... I think he can definitely play in the NHL next year. Where that is in the lineup, I, I I don't know, but I think he'll be on the roster. Daniel Sprung. That fucking rule. I Where think he would have I think he would have been NHL ready for sure next year if he were playing with the baby penguins this year, but since he's just dummying up the queue instead, I think they may don't get me wrong, he could make the team out of camp. Yeah, he did. He's done it once before. Exactly. Yeah. But they may slow play it and start him in the AHL. Now that that's a legit option next year, I don't know. You, Kunitz is still a, a player that I could see them resigning cheaper. But that's the, the, it's the hard part with sort of all of this right now. There's there's questions about a few players. It's like, you'll have Kunitz back if he's cheaper. Carlin will retire. He's a center. Benino, you're going to lose Benino because he's going to ask for more. He wants, he wants wingers. Oh, crap. I'm all over the place. Um, do you, you keep Wilson's there? Oh, you're right. There's too many. There's too many things all over the place. Really. I remember uh, with with Aston Reese coming in, and by the way, if I can look up his hockey DB stats for his AHL sample since turning pro, he's got f- six he's points in four games. Yeah. I know a nuts. young man who signed pro at the end of last college season. 
by the name of Jake Gensel, who had 14 points in 10 games in the playoffs. So Wilkes-Barre is obviously going to make the playoffs, probably going to win at least the first round. They're they're one of the better teams. Fast and Reese can keep this point-per-game level up. That is a good indicator of future NHL success, or at least one of the better ones we have based on the AHL stats that are available, which isn't much because they do a terrible <laughs> job. Um, I could see people go gaga over the Hornquist style of play. Well, I think Aston Reese is kind of in that general mold. And as a left winger, probably more opportunity there. It's pretty full down the right-hand side, really, isn't it? Yeah, with Kessel, Gensel, or Shiri. I don't care which one's on the right, but that's that's the top line now. Yes. Yeah, well, you got it's... Sprong there, you got Rust. So, it, I have Hornquist on this list because, you know, until... I'll believe he gets moved when I see it, but I, it's no secret that I would be open to moving him, given contract status and age, style of play, and replaceable options. When you when you look at all of that, I could see a situation where 72 would not be on this list of eight. Yeah, I know what you mean. But, like, a Kuhnhackel, I, you know, whatever. So, I just I haven't. It's really weird. Like it's in the back of my head, but I've not really thought it through. This sort of stuff yet, because it's playoff run. It would be an interesting, difficult question to answer without the expansion draft. But... No, and that's exactly right. So um, even if you go seven three for Pittsburgh for protection spots Sid Gino Phil there's three you got Hornquist Hagelin do you use another two there probably what's the cutoff age for not having to protect someone believe it or not Shiri does not need to be protected because he was an undrafted player there you go so they get lucky with that Gensel does not need to be protected so you're looking at like a Scott Wilson being exposed or something like that. And it really begs the question, is it better to go four and four for this team? If you go four and four, you're obviously protecting Latang, Dumoulin. See, I get to two. Like, well, yeah. You lose okay. Cole or Mata. I mean... I'm all all for the moving of Mata. I am not for, hey, yeah. Las Vegas, here he is for free. That's just brutal. Oh. Might all be a moot point if Fleury gets traded there, and that counts as the player. Fingers crossed. So, I don't know. That's all I got on it. 
Yeah, I've not got a Wolfie, sorry. It's not the, the best job I've done answering a question ever. I just, um, that's a lot to unpack on the fly. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good question have, that I was not well prepared for. We might have to attack that one somewhere just before the draft. Oh, we will definitely be attacking that expansion draft. Not only Pittsburgh, but, you know. It's a lot. There's a lot of fascinating things that'll go into it. So that could be a long podcast, okay, people. Uh, the next one might not be short because um, I think the next time we get back together, the we'll be on the cusp of the playoffs. Some of the matchups might be in in stone that we can yeah. kind of look at them and talk about them. So Some that's that's what we have on the horizon. Based. Yeah, that'll be fun. That one. So. I think that'll do it. For that, I think it's under an hour. Good uh, bash session on the people that run the NHL. Kudos to the U.S. women's team. And then a little bit of questions. Not not bad. Uh, so we'll go through the regular house cleaning items that we do at the end of every podcast. Patreon.com slash Hockey Hurts. Is where you can uh, support the podcast, hockeyhurts.com, at hockey underscore hurts, at walshy66, at gunnerstall on Twitter, and hockeybuzz.com. You can find my penguin stuff. So that's it. Thanks, guys. <laughs>